All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today I am joined by my guest, Adnan Ikic of the Falcoholic. And he's going to be giving you his perspective on the Falcons week two loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and whether or not there are some positives to gain from that 48 to 25 loss. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. I've been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP. Still going strong on Twitter at Falcfans. And, of course, putting up occasional weekly columns at the Falcoholic. And, of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your Daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode, I am joined by Adnan Ikic of the Falcoholic, and he's going to come on and give us his perspective on that week two performance of the Falcons against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that 48 to 25 loss. And spoiler alert, Adnan's perspective on this game is much more of a glass half full approach than my usual glass half empty approach. So we'll get Adnan's thoughts on what are the, some of the positives that we can glean from this game, some of the standout players, the look at Matt Ryan's performance, the offensive line's potential improvements, and we'll also talk about some of the areas where the Falcons still needs to get the job done if they want to turn these quote-unquote moral victories into quote-unquote actual victories, uh, potentially starting this upcoming week against the New York Giants. And, you know, as we roll forward on today's Locked On Falcons podcast. I want to let you know about another Locked On podcast. That is the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, which relaunched Monday this week with two new hosts, Eric Crocker giving you the player scouting, Ryan Tracy bringing you the analytics. You can follow the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on YouTube, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcast. So before we get into that conversation with Adnan, not a whole lot of news, you know, the, the reports are, you know, the Falcons are looking for uh, a potential re- replacement punter for Cam Nizelec. We'll see if that develops. Tuesday is usually the day where you will bring in guys for workouts and potentially sign some guys. So, you know, potentially that will be a subject that we might talk about on tomorrow's episode. If the Falcons do decide to make a move, they did make one minor, you know, practice squad change on Monday with re-signing wide receiver Jawan Green and cutting kicker Elliott Fry. No real thoughts on that move. So we'll see what sort of other moves and other personal changes that the Falcons may make uh, as the week unfolds. But with that being said, let's jump into that conversation right now with Adnan Ikic of the Falcoholic. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons, and I'm joined by another illustrious guest. It's none other than Adnan Ikic of the Falcoholic. He's here with us to recap his thoughts on the Falcons' week two performance in their 48 to 25 loss to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Adnan, welcome back to Locked on Falcons. Oh, illustrious. I uh, very much like that adjective. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, getting right into Sunday's performance, uh, do you sort of look at the game and the outcome with some degree of hope or optimism or, as I term it, a glass half full approach? Or do you sort of see it more as a glass half empty? Uh, definitely more glass half full. Uh, I did not expect us to win this game going into it. I'm sure no Falcon fan did unless they expected the team to go 17-0. and uh, 
no matter how many losses you expected the team to get this season, I'm sure in Tampa Bay was probably one of those that you marked off as, yeah, we probably won't win this one. Uh, the game played out about as I expected it to. Um, I said one of my bold predictions for this one was that the Falcons would have it as a one-score game in the fourth quarter, which uh, they did going into the fourth, actually, just because these division games are always weird like that. It's always super competitive no matter who, uh, no matter how good one team is and how poor the other team is. Uh, we saw that through those early uh, Matt Ryan years when the Bucks had uh, Josh Freeman, Mike Glennon at quarterback when they were winning one game uh, the entire season. They still played the uh, Falcons very, very tough. But uh, the team looked a lot more competent in week two than they did in week one. I mean, they really could not have looked any worse uh, than they did in week one. Um, you know, they fought, they had some bad breaks, some bad tipped balls. Um, but there were, there were quite a, a few positives that I took from this game. And, uh, I'm definitely feeling better about the team right now than I was, uh, at this point, seven days ago, that Monday after the Eagles loss. Now I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on comparing this week two loss to their week 17 loss to the Bucks in Tampa Bay last year where that was, uh, you know, there were a lot of parallels because the Falcons got into a big hole. It was like 20 to three uh, pretty early in the game. I think it was like 23 to 10 at halftime in that week 17 game. And then twice the Falcons were able to cut the lead to three points in the second half, including down 30 to 27 with about eight minutes to go, which I think was the case on Sunday. And then the Bucks were able to put up two late scores offensively rather than defensively that would, you know, sort of allow them to win by 17 to a final score of 44 to 27. So I, I guess my question is, do you look at sort of the similarities between those games? Are there sort of any things that we can draw when we compare these two performances against the Bucks? positives or, or negatives in your eyes? Uh, yeah, I, that's one of the games that I was really looking at and evaluating uh, going into this one. Um, that Week 17 game, it felt like a carbon copy, to be honest. Uh, like you mentioned, the Falcons went down early, went down big in the first half. They fought all the way back to within three in the fourth quarter, and then the Bucks just had – they just didn't have the horses to keep up with the talent that Tampa Bay had, both offensively and defensively, and – the, the final score in both games really wasn't indicative of just how close the game was. Uh, the game was a lot closer than the final score indicated. But, you know, the main thing that I, that I took from that, that I take from that, is it's just one of those weird divisional games. Uh, it happens um, no matter how – the Bucks are a lot more talented than the Falcons. I'm not going to sit here and say that the Falcons are – uh, close to the football team that Tampa Bay is. They're definitely a win-now team that has built, you know, a hell of a roster on both sides of the ball, and the Falcons aren't really even close to that, and they probably won't be close to that for a number of years, for a number of drafts. Uh, you know, Tom Brady was just the final piece. He, he was the closer to this squad. This team was super talented even before Brady. They just didn't have anyone to really put it all together. Uh, on offense with Jameis Winston. Uh, so at, at the end of the day, I really just look at that as, uh, you know, a coincidental divisional divisional thing because 
you know, here's a stat since Matt Ryan was drafted, the Falcons are now 16 and 11 overall against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 27 overall games. And like I said, the Bucs were really, really bad for a number of those years. Now the Falcons are pretty bad and the Bucs are really good. 17 of those 27 games were one-score games and another handful were like this one where they were one-score games in the fourth quarter and they ended up being two-score games uh, at the very end. There you have it. Um, One takeaway I have from comparing these two games, I feel like the defense uh, getting several stops in the second half uh, in this week's game compared to that week 17 game is a positive, you know, Dean Pease is doing something right where it did seem like some of the mid game adjustments that the Falcons made this past Sunday seemed to work uh, given some of the struggles that they had covering tight ends in the first half of the game. And, and the fact that Brady and that offense was relatively quiet in the second half. And, and they, as we know, uh, you know, 13 of those second half points that they had were Thanks to the Bucks defense, not necessarily the the Falcons um, defense in that regard. But uh, we will continue today's episode here with Adnan Ikic of the Falcoholic talking about this week two action. We'll get into uh, some of the standout players or, and some of the players that did not quite stand out uh, as we continue today's Lockdown Falcons. But uh, speaking of standouts, my guy, Brad Rowland, the host of the Locked On Hawks podcast, is doing a great job every day on the NBA side of the Locked On Podcast Network. And of course, there you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite NBA team, including the Atlanta Hawks. Check out the Locked On Hawks or your favorite daily NBA podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So BetOnline is back and it's better than ever. And all eyes are now on the gridiron. Our teams are back on the football field to start another season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated website and interface and even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today with the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. This week, the Falcons and Giants are squaring off, and the line is set at the Giants being favored by three points. Of course, the Falcons have yet to cover any of their spreads. The Giants did cover as three-point underdogs against Washington this week. So if that pattern continues, it does not bode well for the Falcons' chances. But wherever you land on that particular spread or other ones, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So I'm here with Adnan Ikic, and we're talking about this week two loss between the Falcons and Bucks. And, uh, you know, we saw some positives uh, from this team, some improvements uh, since last week. Who were some of the players that really stood out to you when you watched the game on Sunday? Uh, well, the obvious one that, you know, really probably stood out to everyone that, you know, I have to mention is Cordero Patterson. He's actually looked like the best player on the field for the Falcons offensively, at least in both games so far. Um, The raw rushing numbers aren't really that great, seven carries, 11 yards, but he was an absolute spark plug out of the backfield as a wide receiver Um, and, you know, scored both touchdowns, played very well in the red zone, that wildcat notwithstanding it, you know, I'm not going to get into how much I don't like the wildcat. Um, But Cordero Patterson is someone who, 
a former first round draft pick. He he is a four time All Pro as a kick returner. But no coaches that he's had thus far have ever really been able to, you know, unlock his contributions and his playmaking uh, in uh, game outside of special teams. And uh, it feels like the past few years, coaches have really kind of given up on that idea. Uh, sure, he played. Uh, he got a, a number of carries with the Bears last year, but that was out of necessity because of Tariq Cohen's injury. Right now, uh, he's on pace to absolutely shatter his all-time career highs uh, in both rushing attempts and uh, catches overall. So it seems like Arthur Smith has come into the season really with a plan for Cordero Patterson to really utilize him more so than he has been in the past and not just on special teams. Right now, it's an absolute two-headed monster with the Falcons uh, running backs. It's not just Mike Davis. Cordero Patterson got, I think, five fewer touches than Davis yesterday, and he did a lot more with those touches. He was featured in the red zone. Uh, Beyond Patterson, uh, you had Chris Lindstrom, who, you know, played very well, one of the few offensive linemen who played very well. Uh, And I think Matt Ryan had one of his better performances overall. People will look at uh, the interceptions and they'll say that it was a terrible performance. Two of those passes were tipped. Uh, he didn't really have any time in the backfield for the most part. He was, you know, dodging defenders left and right. I remember there was one play when Devin White came on an absolute free blitz and Matt Ryan just sidestepped him, which, you know, it was it looked really cool, but your quarterback shouldn't have to be doing that. Overall, on the defensive side of the ball, A.J. Terrell played very well. He had that he had that amazing tip, which unfortunately ended up knocking him out of the game uh, with uh, with that concussion. His coverage grade on PFF was by far the best uh, out of anyone on the team. And, you know, hopefully he'll be able to go against the Giants. But, you know, we'll see about that. He, you know, it, it was a tall task to have to go up against uh, the likes of Mike Evans for the most part and um, Antonio Brown. But he definitely held his own. He was someone that I was really looking forward to seeing how how he was going to respond to playing against that elite level of competition, and I certainly wasn't disappointed. Now, you talked about some of the positives. You mentioned the offensive line improving. I heard you with uh, Kevin Knight on the Falcoholic postgame podcast talking about the offensive line was better, but it wasn't still good uh, i guess you know for the locked on falcons listeners sort of elaborate on that point um yeah it wasn't good because the bar was absolutely below the floor from week one <laughs> we saw just how bad they were jalen mayfield there was a lot of uh talk about how he got a 1.4 pass blocking grade in week one which i legitimately didn't know that it was possible for an offensive lineman who played starter snaps to get that low of a grade uh he ended up getting a 31.8 uh pass blocking grade in week two which on the surface you're looking at it like oh it's a a nice positive but that's still a horrendous horrendous grade um yeah the pass blocking overall the run blocking it's it, it was fine um you know uh chris lindstrom especially looked very very solid in that department but as we all know in the NFL, it's a passing league, and if you can't pass block, then you know it's going to be an absolute disaster. 
And we noticed it. I think we've noticed it so far with Arthur Smith. There aren't too many deep routes. There aren't too many, uh, you know, complicated route trees that Arthur Smith has uh, incorporated. And I know that he wasn't really doing that much in Tennessee anyway, but that felt like it was a decision in Tennessee. You know, you have Derrick Henry running the ball. You have Ryan Tannehill uh, playing the intermediate game beautifully. So it wasn't really a necessity to really go deep. Now with the Falcons, I don't think it's much of an option. Uh, he really can't design anything that takes more than a few seconds because, you know, Matt Ryan is just being met in the backfield over and over again against some of these defenders. And I understand, uh, you know, you have to go up against Vita Vea. You have to go up against Fletcher Cox the first couple of weeks. Those aren't really, you know, cupcakes. Those are two of the best defensive linemen and Dominican Sue as well. Uh, some of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. Uh, and it really is a trial by fire for Matt Hennessy and for Jalen Mayfield, but they really have to continue to get better and they have to be a lot better than they were now if the Falcons really want to have a chance of making any noise at all. Uh, and Caleb McGarry, his PFF grade from uh, this past week is a lot more generous than uh what i was seeing uh in the game he was he was kind of getting abused on the right side of of uh of that offensive line and you know he's someone whom the falcons really really need to play very well and to take a bit of a leap in year three because you have chris lindstrom and you have jake matthews as you know two solid and two plus level starting tackle starting offensive linemen Matt Hennessy and Jalen Mayfield, you know, Jalen Mayfield especially, they, they were probably going to struggle, and that was probably expected coming into the season. Mayfield was playing a new position than he played uh, in college. He didn't really get too many snaps at left guard in training camp and in the preseason because they were trying him out at right tackle. And, you know, he wasn't really a projected day one starter, but he was thrust into that role out of necessity. Caleb McGarry's in year three. He was a former first-round pick. And, you know, the Falcons really need him to do well because you can't afford to have more liabilities on the offensive line than, you know, plus level starters, because that's just going to end up being a disaster. Well, fair enough. Uh, You talk about the improvement that some of these offensive linemen are going to have to make in order for this Falcon team uh, to be more competitive. And that's what we're going to continue talking here on today's Lockdown Falcons with and sort of what are some of those other areas of the team that we need to see improvement on in order for this team to reach a level where I think we're not necessarily uh, going into every Sunday, you know, feeling like, you know, this is definitely going to be a loss. So we'll get into that as we wrap up today's Lockdown Falcons. But before we get into that, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer when you already have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket? Save time and money when using Rock Auto. You'll spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you order from a chain store or 
car dealership. Meanwhile, Rock Auto's prices are always reliably low for every customer. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website yourself today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. So does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your father's, brother's, cousin's, former roommate Deborah's login for your favorite streaming service. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without any of the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live television and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes no need to buy another device ever again and the best part besides not having to borrow deborah's login is there's no annual contract so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your tv together with direct tv stream you can learn more at directtv.com that's directtv.com compatible device required content varies by package so uh wrapping up today's locked on falcons i know you already talked about the offensive line needing to step up and continue to improve it's not going to get significantly easier for them moving forward with this giants uh defense um and featuring two pretty solid d tackles and Leonard williams and, and dexter lawrence uh coming up this week but what are some of the other areas of this team uh that you you want to see improve you've already mentioned you know they're not necessarily taking too many deep shots do you feel like that is something that the Falcons are going to have to change in the future or as you put it is that something that they just won't be able to do uh, without the offensive line stepping up what are some of the other areas of this roster that you, you feel like need to make significant strides over the next week or two well, regarding the deep shots I don't think that that's really an option until that offensive line improves like you mentioned um, you know Matt Ryan it seems like he's he's just getting met in the backfield after a three-step drop, seemingly sometimes. Um, but yeah, definitely we need uh, some improved pass uh, pass protection and to stay in the trenches. You know, this team one of their weaknesses coming into the season was expected to be the pass rush, and that's why we came into it expecting a very very blitz-heavy uh, scheme with DNPs. Uh, you know, some of these pass rushers need to individually step up beyond just Grady Jarrett. And, you know, Dante Fowler, he looked really, really good against the Buccaneers. He had that strip sack on the second drive of the game, which forced uh, a big turnover uh, in that moment. Uh, he's someone who has $4 million on the line if he reaches 11 sacks due to the uh, incentives on his deal. Uh, he is one of the highest paid defensive players on this team. So it would definitely be, it would definitely behoove the Falcons for Fowler to really step up and kind of, you know, earn that paycheck a little bit. And uh, Sunday was a pretty good start to that. Um, you know, you have Marlon Davidson is one of the players whom I have really, really high hopes for. And, you know, he's someone who was a second-round pick, a first-team all-defensive selection in the SEC with Auburn. He was kind of robbed of his rookie season a little bit last year due to uh, COVID protocols, due to some injuries, due to some illnesses. 
And, you know, he really never really had a chance to uh, get out of the starting gate. He's playing a, a few more, more, I think he played a, a few more snaps in week two than he did in week one. And it would be nice to see a bit of a ramp up and a bit more of an impact from him next to Grady Jarrett on the interior of the offensive line. Uh, overall, the Falcons really just have to be able to get more pressure rushing for four players because, you know, it's great to bring the blitz and it's something that I criticize Dan Quinn for a lot for being too vanilla and for never blitzing enough. But at the end of the day, you can only bring the blitz so many times before the defense starts completely picking it up. And uh, in fairness, it's going to be a lot easier to blitz every other quarterback on the schedule than it is Tom Brady, who's maybe the greatest quarterback of all time against the blitz. Um, It should be easier to do so against Daniel Jones, although the Falcons shouldn't forget that Daniel Jones can, you know, he can run a little bit as we saw in that <laughs> yeah. uh, Washington game. Uh, it may be beneficial to ha- have a little bit of a spy on him sometimes because, you know, he's a very willing runner. Um, so definitely it's, it's all about the trenches at the end of the day, football is, is always has been and always will be one in the trenches. And unfortunately for the Falcons, they haven't really been able to build in the trenches for the better part of the past decade. Uh, and it'll be, it'll take some individual victories one-on-one uh, pressuring the quarterback and, on the defensive side of the ball and protecting the quarterback on the offensive side of the ball for this team to really start having some success moving forward. There you have it. Um, I'm not, I appreciate you joining me and in, in discussing these topics. I look forward to seeing um what this Falcon team does, if they can start performing better, particularly this week against the Giants, where, as you say, uh, a team that is no by no means a slouch in the trenches, but certainly not a team that has the massive advantage that we have seen these last two weeks. And I think it will be a, a golden opportunity for the Falcons to show, okay, this is what happens when we don't have a huge disadvantage in the trenches. And that will allow the, the various aspects of this roster and this team to shine a little bit more in some of the ways that they haven't been these first two weeks. Um, but with that being said, Adnan, let the people know where they can get your thoughts uh, on Twitter, on the Falcoholic, etc. Oh uh, yeah, on Twitter you can find me uh, at Say Which Way. I'm mostly just on Twitter regarding social media, and uh, yeah, just check out the Falcoholic.com for you know all of my work. That's mostly over there. We have a uh, Wednesday night. I do the live show with Kevin Knight uh, at eight ten p.m just uh, previewing the next game for the Falcons and uh, discussing in depth what happened the previous uh, Sunday. And every Sunday, immediately following the game, Kevin and I go on the Falcoholic Live and have a a post-game show where we give our immediate thoughts about uh, what just transpired. Definitely check it out, guys. Uh, if you're, especially if you're, you know, you can't wait for uh, my rapid reaction here on Locked On Falcons to drop. They are always on point, giving you that uh, actual rapid uh, reaction rather than like six hours later after the game. So definitely go check that out on Falcoholic. 
uh, on their YouTube page and whatnot. So Anand, again, I really appreciate you joining me and look forward to hopefully getting you on. Although I say this to pretty much every guest nowadays, you know, after a win so that you can, you know, be a little bit more positive about some of the things that we see from the Falcon team. But, you know, I, I just have this bad feeling in the pit of my stomach that there are not going to be that many wins uh, to, to go in this team's favor this upcoming season. So I can't make any promises there, but hopefully, hopefully uh, this upcoming week, there will be one uh, for, you know, this fan base uh, to talk about. So appreciate you joining me on today's lockdown Falcons. Hope you have a good day. Yep. Thank you so much, Aaron. I'm uh, always glad to join. Have a great night. All right, guys, there you have it. Another episode of Locked on Falcons. Before we duck out of here on Locked on Falcons, give you my closing thoughts on this team, as well as what's going to be coming up on tomorrow's episode. I do want to let you guys know about the Locked on Bets podcast. So if you're feeling frisky about this week's Falcons action or the action of really any game or any sport, the Locked on Bets podcast has you covered there with handicapping expert Lee Sterling, giving you his daily picks, his blowout specials, as well as his lock of the day. Subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by BetOnline.ag on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So tomorrow's episode will be a Q&A. Hopefully I will get my chance to watch the All-22 uh, before being able to dive into those questions. If you have questions that you want to send in, you, of course, can send them into LockdownFalcons at Mail.com. You can send them to the Facebook or Twitter account at LockdownFalcons. And so my final thoughts is, look, I, I think it's if you're down on this team, and I think that's fine. If you're high on this team, then I, I think that's fine too. I just feel like, I think everybody's opinion is valid, right? That's basically where I'm at. And I feel like this push to be like, Oh, you guys are overreacting. You guys are being too dramatic or too negative. And, or at least the people that are, you know, being negative or whatever. I don't think that's really a fair criticism. I, I guess for me, the, the part of it is cause I'm feeling that same frustration right now. We might get into more of this on tomorrow's episode after we get through the Q and a and the film stuff. But if, if this is a year where it's a down year and it's just like, okay, we got to feel this year out. We got to figure things out. And then next year we'll be back and we'll be competing for the postseason. Or like, if that's the case, and I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, I'm not thrilled about that, but like, look, I'll take beggars can't be choosers. Again, it's the line I say on this podcast seemingly every day, every week on of the show, you know, I'll take what I can get there. But if you're telling me that this is like year one of like a two or three year playoff drought, where it's going to take the better part of two or three years for this team to get back into postseason contention. Th- that to me feels like a bait and switch that t- that's where I feel frustrated. Cause I feel like, like th- that feels like a broken promise to me based off of the actions or, and or inactions made by this team this off season. Um, and, and so that's kind of where my frustration lies, where it just feels like, Look, if, if I have to be, if I have to wait two weeks and we go in a week three against this Giants team and, and this team starts playing up uh, to their potential, then okay, look, we'll look back at those first two weeks and be like, okay, yeah, it was a rough first two weeks. You know, one of a handful of teams to ever lose their first two games of the season by twenty plus points. Uh, I can deal with that, but like, if if you're sitting here telling me this, you know, it's it's going to be instead of two or three weeks for this team to figure things out. You know, it's going to be two or three years, man, that that's a, that's a bitter pill for me to swallow. And, and, and it feels like, again, based off of these first two games. And again, we know that where this team is going to be out five weeks from now, 10 weeks from now, 15 weeks from now, is probably going to be uh, very different from where they are right now. But 
it just feels like, you know, based off of this start to the season, you know, if this is going to be a two to three year fix. And I'm just like, man, I, we just, we just got robbed, right? We just got completely defrauded and whatnot, if you ask me, but that's how I feel right now. That's probably an emotional response rather than a logical or rational response there, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. So I understand the people's frustration. And so that's why you, you probably will see me on Twitter defending that frustration rather than basically saying that, you know, people need to chill out and relax and be patient and whatnot. And I'm like, no, right. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta give, you gotta buy that credibility for, for you to be able to tell me to relax with the Falcons. Right. So that's where I'm at. But, uh, you know, of course I would love to hear your thoughts on where you're at with this team by sending in those emails or uh, hitting me up on the various shows, social media accounts. Uh, but with that being said, guys, appreciate you for another listen back tomorrow until then.